Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark, and you can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And today we're going to be talking about minute number 20 of Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is going to start with our Roose Bolton, Michael Mickelhatton, walking up the stairs here in the Central Criminal Courthouse. And then the minutes are going to end with the City of London police uh, just outside the Old Bailey trying to figure out this crisis. And uh, Nate, I can't believe it, but this is the end of our fourth week already. We're 20 minutes into the movie. Uh, I'm, I know we have a long way to go, but uh, we've already crushed our fourth week. It seems like it's seems like we just started this. We it did does just start this. <laughs> we did just start it. Uh, the times time flew by i'm gonna tell you something the first two weeks after this movie came out was so there was so much going on yeah especially on our end with having to keep up with it and just be involved in the discussions and just staying up to date with everything i mean it's still like four weeks five weeks or something since the movie came out and a it's still being talked about on the internet b Dawn of Justice is still being talked about on the internet, and we said it years ago. We said it years ago that these movies are going to be talked about, and it's not going away, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, and, it's, and it's not like, oh my god, you remember when Batman punched Superman? That was so cool. You know, like how like you see, like, oh man, you remember when Captain America grabbed the hammer? It was so cool, right? It's like, yeah, f- shut up. I get, it's done. <laughs> No, the conversations are the ones that we were having back in 2017 and such, where it's is these really intuitive questions that we're trying to ask and, and figure out. And, you know, our main goal was trying to figure out why people were judging things so quickly when the movie was right there. You know, it's just it's, it's yeah. really cool to think about um, I think how it, how much has has gone into this and. And like you said, four weeks into it now, and we're still talking about it. Uh, yeah. Still talking we, about it. We still will be talking about Dawn of Justice. And and really, in a macro level, we'll always be talking about Zack Snyder's you know, involvement with making DC content and movies and stuff. So people will always be talking about Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice and Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut, the Joss Whedon Cut. That it'll always be talked about for the rest of... Not only DC history, but maybe even cinematic history, especially cinematic history. Yeah. And, um, like, there's... That's on a macro level. But then, like, on a micro level, then you get into, like, the redemption of Batman and why we went from a dark place and then leading into a more hopeful ending with Justice League and talking about those thematics. People love to dig into these movies. And I... I'm a huge Marvel fan as well. I like, you know, Dr. Banner and Hulk. I like that dynamic a lot. But, you know, I'm not watching Thor Ragnarok over and over, even though it has some of the fan service I've been asking for for so long. It's like I've seen Thor Ragnarok, and I do enjoy that movie a lot, but I'm not digging into it Mm -hmm. as much as these movies. And even the other day when Gabe was like, our friend Gabe was saying, oh, there's auto-tune on Hulk's voice throughout Thor Ragnarok. And I was like, I've never noticed that because I don't dig into the movie that deeply. Um, and it's things like that where I'm like, these movies here are a big deal. Not just because we're, you know, two really geeky DC comic people. We're getting into it because we love it so much. 
it just seems like everyone will be talking about these movies because they're such a big deal um just in just in pop culture um and and leading that into today's minute i know that this minute right here it might seem just kind of like an uninteresting minute uh a flyover minute if you want to call it that uh nothing really you know there's no wonder woman in this yet no superhero action there's no action at all really it's a it's a stalemate this entire minute um but there were some things that i found that interest me so i wanted to talk about them with you today um and the first thing that I'm going to talk about that I think is important is uh, just how not important this uh, Roose Bolton guy is, you know. Oh, our, okay. Game of Thrones. Our, yeah. Our black clad alpha BCA bad guy number one, whatever you want to call him. Uh, Mikkel Hatton's character. Um, I think this minute really reaffirms our idea that he's just not meant to be important at all because of you know how it always focuses on the briefcase and then it even just focuses on his gun when he leaves it behind uh which is a for those who want to know what kind of gun he has it's a hk vp9 tactical pistol with a suppressor attached so um there there's just no (laughs) there's just (laughs) it's just like i'm uh, even okay so Mr. Bolton here, Mr. Blackclad, yeah. Yeah. Uh, fedora guy, fedora may not guy. be unimportant, but also I don't think his briefcase is important either. And I, I know it's a bomb. I know the threat. Yeah. I can, I, I understand the threat. Um, for some reason, and maybe it's the pacing, and I, I, I don't know, but it's still, this, we had the whole week to think about this, but it's still not sitting... It's sitting odd in my uh, lap this minute. <laughs> Maybe it's the pacing, yeah. But like, I don't feel this sort of lax, uh, this sort of uninteresting, uninterestedness when I watch, you know, the Flash and Iris thing. When I watch Cyborg's you know flashbacks like i don't get that when i see the other characters introduction for Mm -hmm. wonder woman's i don't understand why i am just not feeling it i'm tuned out 100 percent. i tune right back in when she busts those doors down and starts using that great gauntlet work i'm 100 percent there and invested that's that's the stuff that i'm about but this whole setup how long this setup is it's almost like they're setting up this bank bomb job thing to be too it's big. still courthouse nate but yeah sure to be too big <laughs> for what it is like yeah and maybe it's a fault on us here in america for not really knowing the significance of the old bailey and what is actually happening here and mm-hmm. what could potentially happen you know yeah that, that may be yeah uh, that may be fitting into this as well. Um, it could be. It could be a ton of factors. It could be desensitization. It could be. Uh, yeah, that's know, another thing. I didn't want to say that, but that's it that may be, be the biggest one. It could be, or you know, it could just be just no investment into the character uh, BCA here, and uh, that that's what I was thinking as well. And I am glad you brought that up because that's what I wanted to talk about is. You know, we only really get any 
character time with with BCA when it's when it's a necessity when he's giving information, um, you know, and he says like I'm going to be making a statement shortly, um, which he's referring to the bomb going off. He's not he's not talking about making any demands later that the police might be expecting. He's saying, you know, we'll be making a statement shortly, which is the bomb going off, and. That was also something I was thinking about where it was like, well, why not just detonate the bomb and get it over with? If that's what you're here to do, why put the timer on it? Why the hostages if you're here to blow up the bomb? Um, And I was thinking that if the police knew it was such an inevitable situation, they would they would actually try to intervene right away. And then there would be no uh, stakes involved. There wouldn't be this heightened suspense. It would just be like, okay, well, we know it's about to detonate this bomb. So I think... In order to prevent that 50-50 with the police, uh, our bad guy here is just stalling them with the hostages and making sure that the place is, is properly demolished. And you brought this up yesterday, Nate, but there was like some you know, loose idea that we were toying with that maybe there, there's a V for Vendetta reference in here. You brought up the fedora hat. I mm-hmm. wonder if the fedora hat is actually, you know if this is all actually there's some v for vendetta reference in here like like guy maybe... foxian bullshit that they're doing yeah i mean obviously you can't put the actual v in here i mean that would be that would be mind-blowing if the justice league movie had v in here as a terrorist trying to blow up the old bailey that would be mind-blowing wild right but i was trying to figure out if there could be reputable um bad guys from DC Comics England that you could put in here. You know, I'm thinking like, what if, what would, what would make me more interested if these goons came in and they were wearing checkmate jackets or something? It's like, okay, I get it. There's something there, but I'm trying to figure out nothing really just other than like mythical stuff in England, Knight and Squire, but that's not, you can't, they're not Wonder Woman and it takes away from everything. Yeah. Um, So like just, Bad guys with guns in the old Bailey? Hey. Solid. Yeah. Wonder Woman hangs out in England. Hey. Solid. <laughs> let's let's get her to, to stop this uh giant act of terrorism. We know in her history in, in history in the DCEU that Gal's Wonder Woman did stop Slipknot and send him into his inevitable recruitment into the Suicide Squad. So it's always like you could have had something like that where Excuse me? Yeah, we talked about this. I just remember him headbutting the the lady cop. Yeah, because he's a misogynist. He's, yes, he's misogynist, but and did he have Captain a run-in Ty. with Wonder Woman? Yeah, that's how he ended up there. I didn't know that. I don't remember yeah, that. We, we talked we talked about our Wonder Woman minute. It was like week 1. It was like the second episode. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. No, I don't remember that at all. That's insane. Yeah, I I think I'm I think it became canon in the sense of um them loosely talking about like, oh, you know what? He must have had a run in with Wonder Woman. There's something about the lasso and Slipknot, the tie, Captain Tie and Knots. There's something there. Um, but that's basically him being misogynist and, and Wonder Woman being Wonder Woman. Uh, that's that's the that's the history of him getting sent there. Uh, so, but you know, you could have had something like that where it's like just one of those very D tier suicide type. Uh, suicide Squad type villains that you could have put in here. Um, you think there was like a giant like rope fight, lasso and Slipknot? You know, Wonder Woman's lasso and Slipknot just tossing those rocket ropes around all the time. You think there was like some yeah. cool, 
cool stuff I'm, going around. I think that that might have been pretty interesting, especially if it, in a more grounded uh, DC superhero kind of, especially Wonder Woman being uh, not as prominent in 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 mankind's uh, yeah. view. So, like, the only thing that I'm comparing, like, things like that to would be in the Avengers movies in the beginning, the opening scene of their, you know, big team battle. They have, like, the the smaller characters that they fight. Uh, Von Strucker. Crossbones. Uh, crossbones like, uh, the, the kicking guy from um, Winter Soldier. I can't remember his name. But um, I oh, like yeah. that. I like that a lot. When it's the like, oh, guy. I know that guy. <laughs> Oh, I know that guy. Oh, that's supposed to be this. And, yeah. you know, he gets punched and knocked out. They get punched and knocked out or whatever. Bing, bang, boom. Said and done with. Cool. Uh, great. Awesome. As long as, like, they're in the movie. I think that's cool. It, it it adds to the universe. Black Clad Alpha, I don't know anything about. Yeah. I And I was really thinking about that when I was taking notes for this minute. I was thinking, you know, what is his purpose? What is his motivation? Um... And then I, the more I kept thinking about him, the more I kept thinking about Steppenwolf, who is the actual villain in this movie. And I was thinking, you know, this is the kind of staleness that we experienced with Steppenwolf in 2017. These are the things where people are like, well, what's his purpose? What's his motivation? Why do I give, you know, a hoot about this character? And the more I kept thinking about this minute, the more I kept thinking, like, is this like a foil to Steppenwolf in the sense that, the Steppenwolf we get to meet here in this story is a villain with purpose and motivation and really gets us invested into who this guy is and really care about what he's doing here on this planet. Um, I don't know if that was intentional, but it is kind of, I think it's a healthy decision in your storytelling, especially if you're going to make a four-hour movie, to have a moment like this where like, okay, here's a bad guy for bad guy's sake, doing bad guy things. That's not our main villain. But when you meet the main villain, then you will be like invested into what the character is doing. So I wonder if that's that kind of plays on itself. It's almost like a almost like an appetizer, you know? So it works it yeah. works in that sense. It um, it works. It it works and it works for this specifically works for Wonder Woman and it works for showing off what Wonder Woman does. Yeah. Um so I I I'm not Staying mad at it, I'm just uh Oh no, I don't think you're iffy. mad at it. No, not <laughs> I'm at just all. iffy about this whole thing. No, I think you I think you're you know, if it's a criticism, I think it's it's shared by everyone. Everyone's looking at this going, Who are these guys? What's going on here? Mm-hmm. They understand the bomb and Wonder Woman saving people. And you're right when people are like, My attention is off right now. But as soon as Wonder Woman busts through those doors, I'm right back in it. I'm like, let's go. We're about to see some really good Wonder Woman action. Yeah. Now, um, I want to say, Zack Snyder does Wonder Woman very well. Very mm-hmm. well. They all do. Everybody involved does Wonder Woman very well. I am... All their action pieces that Gal and, and the character are a part of, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I think she is big. <laughs> yeah. And I think she is... Uh, like all the set pieces are big they're massive they're huge she's a massive hero in both the in-universe and outside in our world with the character and the marketing and everything like that so like i think no matter what anytime i do see like an action sequence from wonder woman 
I'm already expecting it to be this huge event, you yeah. know, like yeah. it, like it's like I said yesterday, like this can be its own movie and it very well has every right to be, you know, yeah. because how big Wonder Woman is. I, was, and uh, I think that's really cool just because this whole set is just it's massive. The the fight, the action, it's it's it, it feels like it's its own movie. So yeah. I'm I'm with it. I'm here. I'm I'm invested. I'm in it. The bad guys are just bad guys for bad guys' sake. They really are. They really are. Um, I was thinking about it the other day, and we'll have to come back to this. I'll leave this as an open question. But I was thinking about it. I wasn't sure which, which, how many times I'd seen this movie by now. Zack Snyder's just asleep. But I was thinking, you know, what are like the top four, top three Wonder Woman moments or scenes now that we have? And and like I kept thinking about it, I was like, there's actually a lot. There's multiple in Wonder Woman, her own movie, Dawn of Justice, 1984, and now uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, and even if you want to consider the 2000, well, nah, not that one, um, just Zack Snyder's Justice League, there's so many Wonder Woman moments that she has. And to... to consider all of them now there's she takes up a large amount of the best moments in this uh dc trilogy and so yeah that's that's something that we're gonna have to come back to and look and and take a look at when we get to her Um, i think i think she has the most like scenes (laughs) yeah (laughs) and all this like dc extended universe i think there's more wonder woman footage than anybody especially action sequences more than superman I'll tell you that much because half of Dawn of Justice, he's not doing, uh, that may be it. No, there has to be. There has to be more Wonder Woman stuff than yeah. Superman now. There's a little, there's a kind of more more than Batman as well. Batman has the one warehouse scene. Wonder Woman has her own, but she also has a trench scene. She's in four uh, movies. He's in three. Yeah. She's in well, more movies. Yeah. She. More can't count Shazam. Superman too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like she has more scenes don't in this Shazam entire. For don't count Shazam. Either. Wasn't him. Don't yeah. know who that guy was, but hey, we'll see. Give me his number. Um, yeah, and then you're saying that you know Superman, you know his whole thing in Dawn of Justice is his in his indecision to to yes choose whether to, to be it. him. Yeah, which is I'm glad you brought that up, Nate, because that's kind of leading us into our next big topic for today, which is just outside the window. Um, before we, we do step outside the old Bailey, there was just one, a few more things that I wanted to talk about. And that is some of the, some of the action that's happening in the hallways when um, the terrorists walk their way into this, this part this room of the courthouse. And there was something that happened in yesterday's minute where as soon as he walked through the metal detector, that's when the gun started going off. Um, and I noticed three folders that like slid down the stairs. And then when he's walking up the stairs here, you see some paper that's flying yeah. as they're walking. And it's all just really well-timed in the frame and in the shots that it all just looks really well choreographed. Like they were like, like very in rhythm. And then they're like, all right, now let the three fo- folders slide on the floor. Yeah. And they slide down perfectly down the stairs and onto the floor. And then, um, even when he's walking up the stairs, you can kind of see one of the hostages has paper in his hand as he waits at that door. And then when the <laughs> shot gets closer, you can see those papers flying as if the actor threw them out, 
just outside a frame and it's so well framed it really reminds me of the long take in dawn of justice which is batman nightmare batman fighting the pair demons and stuff and the super superman soldiers Mm -hmm. and uh I wouldn't be surprised if this was all like all the whole briefcase shot was just one long take. Like there was all those shots were part of a longer take that was just broken up with other shots just to make the sequence a little bit more snappy. Um, well, but yeah, yeah I, I'm assuming it was all one take. Yeah, of, of I, the walk up and everything, just different angles. Um, yeah, I, I want to talk about those papers that fly through the air, though. Yeah, let's talk about them. That's a lot of papers flying through the air. Now, who? in their right mind, is walking around with that amount of papers unbindered or unfoldered, unpaperclipped. He was going to go put them in the binder, dog. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're digital now, baby. The old Bailey's all digital. Who's we throwing got... papers when they get scared? Whoa. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like it's a freaking like an Alice Cooper song. School's <laughs> out. Like what's going on here? Nobody's I would have been papers. like, oh, there's something going on. Let me put the papers down. Let me just put them down. <laughs> I love that well, Let the me papers... hold on to it like a stress ball. <laughs> yeah, right? No, um, let me throw it like a Scooby-Doo like, character. Like freaking pocket sand. Um, <laughs> yeah, Hanna-Barbera. Uh, I, I enjoy the elements of chaos that walking through this building because in a real world sense, I think it would just be people running and screaming and, and bullets flying and stuff like that. There wouldn't be you know gobs of paper flying through the air i don't think but uh in in the sense of adding to these framing and and the timing like you said how the papers are all falling and and it's just chaos i enjoy it i like it the papers flying through the air is a good touch it's like it's like little flare little fireworks as he's walking through those doors Mm -hmm. um kind of this this uh, black clad alpha reveling in the chaos that he is creating yeah there, uh, you know, I was thinking about making it shorter in the sense that you were like, okay, well, if we don't really care about the, the, the villain so much here, is there a way to speed it up to getting to that, that Wonder Woman busting through the doors? And I was thinking, well, you could always cut it to right here where the city of London police shows up by the window. And I was thinking if you start the scene here, where maybe just like, you know, some police scanner, radio chatter, or just saying, hey, there's a hostage situation. Yeah. And then you just cut, boom, right here to the uh, the city of London police just being like, oh, we got a situation. Mm-hmm. They've got kids up there. Uh, we can't shoot this man. And then they just have that sniper scope on BCA just to show, hey, there's a bad guy up there. You know what I think is also adding to the uh, confusion that we're seeking seeing here? Um a lot of facial shots on uh, Mr. Bolton here, so I think subconsciously I'm thinking that he is more important than he should be. If we go with your route and just showing the shots of, you know, waist down, gun and briefcase, walking through the halls, chaos, yada, 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 and minimize the, sh- the facial shots of, of this man, mm-hmm. then I think we're getting somewhere, you know? Give me a facial shot through the sniper scope, and then yeah. that's like the face reveal. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's a I mean, little distorted, also, can't really see him clearly. I don't really care. Yeah, there He's, were uh, some also people had like rumors that, you know, was this person an agent of, of Darkseid in some way? Um, but uh, just, outside the, the city, uh, just outside the window here of the Old Bailey is the city of London police. Um, the first person that we're going to see here is an SFO sniper, uh, which stands for Specialist Firearms Officer. And um, it's played by Gary Raymer. 
and the sniper here. I wanted to talk a little bit about the guns in this minute because what would the minute by minute podcast be if we didn't do a international movie firearms database deep dive here? Um, this one is not listed on the IMFDB, so I had to look this up the long way and looking up what an SFO is, which is the specialist firearms officer, looking into what kind of weapons the uh, City of London police use, what's in their catalog that they can that they have uh, in their inventory, and I came across this sniper rifle, which is the brand is Accuracy International. It's an Arctic Warfare sniper rifle, but this is the police variant, so it is the AWP, the Arctic Warfare Police model. Um, the base model is for people who care. It's an L96A1, but the police version of this sniper rifle nate's shaking his head he's wondering why police have a sniper rifle um, i am <laughs> <laughs> i knew it uh an arctic so, warfare sniper rifle yeah give it to the cops yeah. the accuracy international arctic warfare police sniper rifle Get the uh, fuck it is here. an all black frame instead of the light green frame that the base model has because for the police everything has to be in black um, it has a shorter barrel length than the base model and it comes with a suppressor attachment for reduced flash and noise signature. Um, so this is what the uh, SFO sniper has in his hands. And he has a clear shot. He can take out BCA, but he's not allowed to do so. So keep that in mind. Uh, the lead officer who tells him to hold his fire is played by Robbie G. He is the highest ranking officer here with the rank of inspector, which is the two diamond insignia on his shoulder. Uh, and then the deputy to his left is played by Jim Sturgeon. He is the he has the police rank of sergeant, which is the three ribbons. That name is very familiar. Jim Sturgeon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Jim Sturgeon was actually in... Uh, let me bring it up here. Not Jim he... Sturges, because that's across the universe. Well, not Jim Sturgeon. Who's the one that I thought was, hey, I, I know this person. Oh, Robbie G., the the inspector. I know him from, he plays Khan in Underworld. And uh, he plays Vinny in Snatch. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Snatch? Yeah. Yes. Um, so the, the inspector is, is, is a more known actor. I'm not sure about Jim Sturgeon, but it could just be a very familiar name. Yeah. Um, but he's the deputy, uh, the sergeant, he's the one who tells the inspector that they you know that that the bca isn't isn't bluffing he's got the, there's kids up there um the from from on some school trip i'm assuming uh that they say um i got a little bit of talk about this school trip if you will tell if me about ha- this school trip nate if you'll have me so i will have you um as but hey i belong to no one <laughs> um uh, there's a line of dialogue um, that the deputy that Mr. Sturgis says um, uh, that kind of caught my ear just because I wasn't really paying attention. And it's some of the only dialogue that's said in this minute. Yeah, um, very little. What does he say? St. Bridget on a school trip, right? What is it? St. Bridget on a school trip. St. Bridget's. On a school trip, yeah. So St. Bridget is... Um, well, let's assume we're correct in assuming that is it is a uh, Catholic school, an Irish Catholic school. Um, kind of cool though that they used that school uh, and with their patron patron Saint Bridget or Bridget. A um, little bit about that. She is the goddess of pre-Christian Ireland. 
uh, appears in Irish mythology, um, is the daughter of Dagda, who in Irish mythology, you want to take a guess? Big old guy uh, with lightning. Big old daddy. Zeus? Okay. 100%. Would, He's like the all-father. It's pretty I cool, right? I thought it, and I was like, is it going to be like tied to Am- like Themyscira or something? But like, no, you're saying directly to Zeus. And you said pre-Christian, huh? Uh, yeah, pre-Christian Irish mythology. Um, so this is uh, yeah. So this is like really cool high fantasy stuff in um, in Irish mythology. Yeah, because I don't know um, much about Irish mythology. I only and like know Celtic Kuku mythology, Lane. me neither. Really, yeah, like it's Celtic. really I, Lord of the Rings is what helped me the most with my Celtic stuff. Honestly, um, all the really? Rohan stuff. Yeah, all the yeah. If you read Two Towers, a lot of the Rohan stuff is like all uh, Celtic, Celtic mythology. It's all it even. Cool. It's kind of cool because in the movie it does a lot of Celtic architecture on the buildings in Rohan. Oh yeah, I and do, it's I do notice that a yeah. lot of horse stuff, nuts. really planes, yeah, yeah. Uh, spirals and everything. Really cool stuff. That's really why good. I like wood, uh, woodworking. In Harry Potter, Severus Snape's wand has Celtic. He has a Celtic, mm-hmm. like mythologically designed wand where it has Celtic knots on it. And I've always wanted to get into it. They reference it in God of War, the the PS4, the reboot, um, where they suggest that celtic mythology exists and that's like something i've always been like oh, i've always wanted to know more about celtic mythology it seems like it's so, it's it's it seems like a, a lot um on on par with like nordic mythology um mm-hmm. you know thor helps us out with with simple simplifying nordic mythology but hell no that stuff is vast <laughs> yeah thor thor is like a little uh, eyedropper in the ocean um so a little bit more about um Bridget here. Um, let's see. She is associated with wisdom, poetry, healing, and protection. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Also has some things with uh, like domesticated animals and whatever she can, you know, talk to talk to domesticated animals or uh, yeah. what have you, whatever. Hold that, but thought. it's that's that could be important because it could be important. The 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 music here, in I'll pull it up right here. But Junkie XL, this segment. Wonder Woman defending Slash and what rough beast. Now that might be a reference to Steppenwolf, but uh, because of Themyscira and the Amazons fighting Steppenwolf and what rough beast this is. But uh, Wonder Woman defending this is also used here for this old Bailey skirmish. Mm-hmm. And hey, you could reach for that. If you, you could wanted. reach the, for the that. taming of animals. What rough um, beast. I think the most important thing with uh, comparing Wonder Woman to uh, Bridget here would be that Bridget is famous for the uh, her protecting care. Um, yeah. So that's exactly, literally, what is happening in this scene at the Old Bailey. We got it in yesterday's minute with the uh, the little placard at the top of the building. Um, you know, it's all about protecting, um, you know, people mm-hmm. against wrongdoing. Yeah. Um so yeah, definitely absolutely. a good good setup for Wonder Woman. Um knowing that does give more meaning to this sequence in my opinion. I like it because of just that one line of dialogue that references this one school and who that school's supposed to, you know, patron saint is supposed to be uh named after. That's the complete circle for me here. Yeah. Now That's I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. I'm on board now. And I got black more clad for alpha. You. you can still, you know, we'll we'll deal with you in a couple days, and yeah. we'll be done with you. You know, it's fine. I think I can f- emphasize what you what you just uh, what you just gave us because I wanted to talk a little bit about the you know the deputy comes in. He says we can't 
do anything. They've got kids up there. Um, and to help emphasize the point that you're making, I wanted to talk about their inability to, to get involved. And that kind of reminds me about what happens in Dawn of Justice. Like, you remember Python and the Justice Riders? How could I forget? Yeah, right? So we talked about that in when we did Dawn of Justice Minute and their inability to intervene with the Nairomi crisis. Um, We're seeing that same situation here. The city of London, it cannot get involved because... There are, there are hostages and innocent children involved. And it just seems like a common theme that you have these people who want to be protectors and defenders, but they, they are told they cannot be involved. Um, and throughout this trilogy, it's not just the militia, but there's also like other heroes too that, that, that feel like they cannot get involved. Um, Martian Manhunter being one of them in Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice. You also have Superman who, you know, he doesn't save his father because he is told not to intervene. And even in Dawn of Justice, Superman has to who battle within himself. Does he get involved or not? Um, and, it, and it just seems to always help define just how heroic these superheroes are as protagonists of the story. Like when they do choose when they get involved because they are heroes, they will, they, they're not tied down. You know, there's no Sokovia courts and stuff like that. They, they will get involved because there's, that's the right thing to do. And so they will do it regardless of consequences. They will go in and do it. And so it just seems like a common theme. Uh, and even non-superhero characters like Lois Lane and Kahina Naziri, when they go against like the world that is suppressing them and telling them, Hey, you are not to act but they do so anyways. Um, it just always helps to reinforce like the heroic side, the, the purpose of heroes. Um, and I think it's very important that they do that. Um, and I guess that goes back to that, that Superman uh, in the media sequence in Dawn of Justice where there's, they're like, could you tell a grieving parent that we, ch- we told Superman not to act? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's always that kind of thing that seems to be a fundamental part of the storytelling with uh, Chris Terrio is, is to just be like, hey, we have this situation where the people that you normally expect to deal with these situations and protect you, um, well, they're considering it. They're not they're not choosing to act. Uh, and then you have people like Wonder Woman and Batman and Superman. They're like, yeah, I'll do it. That needs to be done. We're here to do it. We're here to we're here to save the day. That's all that matters. So, just really cool stuff. Uh, you know, it's really it's stuff like that that I really like to to dig into. Um, but I think that's gonna do it for us today. So we're gonna go ahead and wrap up. If you guys enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCEU Minute and the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society, where you can join us and talk about today's minute or any minutes that you guys are catching up on. We'll catch you guys on Monday for minute number 21 of Zack Snyder's Justice League.